Here, a bit of interaction. There was a wise and foolish builder whose house stood the longest. Hmm. Okay, okay, let, let's try another one. Okay, let's just, just try another one. Okay, there was a wise general fighting a foolish general who won. Ah, oh, that's a bit better. Okay, we're getting there. Um, there was a wise parent and a foolish parent whose family was the most peaceful. Oh, yeah, you're getting good at this. Uh, there was a wise businessman and a foolish businessman who gained the most long-term profit. Oh, well, who was that big wise over there? Oh, that was well done, Paul. Give Paul a clap. Uh, there was a wise teacher and a foolish teacher whose class learned the most. Okay, it doesn't take much intelligence to work out that in the battle between wisdom and foolishness, wisdom always, always, always and always produces a better long-term effect in our lives. Say amen. amen. Okay, uh, wisdom enables us to live a life that is more stable, more peaceful, more blessed, more prosperous, more healthy, more successful. Um, and here's some things that people have said about uh, wisdom. Uh, one of the African Swahili proverbs simply says this, I love this, wisdom is wealth. I think that's quite profound, wisdom is wealth. King Solomon in the book of Proverbs says this, get wisdom, get understanding, do not forget my words or turn away from them. Do not forsake wisdom and she will protect you. Love her and she will watch over you. The beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom. Though it costs you all you have, get understanding, cherish her, and she will exalt you. Embrace her, and she will honor you. She will give you a garland to grace your head and, uh, and present you with a glorious crown. That was what King Solomon says. And just one other. One successful day may come to a fool, but a lifetime of blessing belongs to the wise. That's mine. You can give me a big clap for that, okay? Woo. It's right, I'll preach about humility next time I get up, um, just in case you're worried about that. Um, of course, the important question right now, though, isn't why do we need wisdom? We've already covered that. We need wisdom. Uh, the question that I really want to talk about this morning is how do we gain real wisdom? Now, I could speak for hours on the subject of how to get wisdom. That would be a foolish thing to do because you would switch off. Uh, but I could speak for hours and not scratch the surface. Another little proverb is this, that a picture is worth a thousand words. So what I want to do in just a moment, uh, my friend Sam will put it on the screen in just a moment, I want to show you a picture of what true wisdom looks like. Everybody ready to see what a picture of true wisdom looks like? Okay, put it up for us, Sam. Christ crucified. The power of God and the wisdom of God. Just move it on for us, Sam, to put that little phrase into context in the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 1. Jews demand a sign and Greeks look for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. 
Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are, so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us the wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, our holiness, and redemption. Christ on the cross. The wisdom of God. How on earth is that wisdom? Because the cross actually really in some ways makes no sense. But one thing that I've come to understand is this, that being sensible can very easily be the enemy of wisdom. Being sensible actually stifles wisdom. Let me give you some natural examples. Wisdom says that iron sinks, therefore it's foolishness to build an iron boat. Wisdom says that the world was flat, and therefore it was foolish for Columbus to sail off to America, knowing that he would sail over the edge of the world. Uh, Wisdom says that birds are the things that God made to fly, and therefore it's foolish to create a flying machine. Here's one with a local flavour. Wisdom says that the British Empire needs the economy of slavery. Therefore, it's foolish to campaign to abolish it, and yet that is exactly what Wilberforce did. Being sensible can very often stifle true wisdom. Sense says that the cross is defeat, pain, suffering, death. Wisdom says this is the power of God. The ultimate wisdom. Sense is the enemy of wisdom. Now before you think I'm talking as a fool this morning, let me explain to you why I think sense is the enemy of wisdom. Because to quote Jesus, who I think was the wisest man who ever walked on the face of the earth, Jesus says this, that wisdom is proved right by her children. Wisdom is proved right by experience and not by what we think. Again, wisdom produced an iron ship. Wisdom caused America to be discovered. Wisdom created an aeroplane. Wisdom led to the abolition of the slavery and the slave trade. Not sense and not thinking. Wisdom. Wisdom's proved right by experience, not what we think about something. Again, our thinking, if we look at the cross, says defeat. Jesus died. It's over. In excruciating agony and pain, we see defeat. That's our thinking. But you know, the experience of the cross is something very, very different. When we look at the outcome of something, we see wisdom. When we look at the experience rather than the image, we see what is truly wise. So this morning, very briefly, I want to share with you three outcomes of the cross that proves that the cross is wisdom 
Three things that don't make sense, but three things that show the real wisdom of Almighty God. And uh, we read from 1 Corinthians, and the last little bit that I read was this, that it is because of him you were in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God, that is our righteousness, our holiness, and our redemption. Three outcomes of the cross that prove its wisdom. Righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Everybody still with me this morning? Yeah. Woohoo! Everybody say, yeah. yeah. Yeah, okay. Righteousness. What is righteousness? Righteousness is being right before Almighty God. Um, there have been countless attempts over the course of human history to uh, put things in place to make people's life right. Things like politics, education, uh, even warfare. Medicine, psychology, sociology have all been used at times to try and turn individuals' lives around from being completely messed up to being really good and right. And all those things that I've said have a place. Don't misunderstand me this morning. But actually, if we look at the effect of all those things, we can easily come to the conclusion that all those things really, if we look closely don't have that much of an effect. They have some effect. Things are being used to try and make people's lives right. Yet when we look at the cross, which makes no sense at all, we see how the cross turns people's lives around from being messed up to being completely right before God. The cross makes people right, and it does that in two ways. Firstly, it takes away the bad. The Bible says that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. Um, saying people are sinners today has um, you know, a negative thing sometimes because nobody likes to be called a sinner, but the Bible says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You see, our sense or being sensible tries to work through what is right or wrong and we make allowances for certain types of behaviour or we say because society now has moved in this direction, something is now right that used to be wrong. Uh, that's what our sense, our thinking does. Actually, what wisdom does is it comes to the point where it strips away all the thinking about what is right and wrong and it comes to the place that says, okay, I've done some messed up things in my life. My thinking, my words, my behavior sometimes has actually been wrong. I mean, is there any perfect person in this room this morning, apart from Jesus who's here? I'll tell you a very quick story that I haven't wrote in my notes, but something I, I heard a while ago. There was a, an evangelist who used to use that question to drive home this, this point. Uh, is there anybody in this congregation uh, who is perfect? And nobody used to stand up except on one occasion. There's always one, Andrew, isn't there? Being an evangelist, you would know this. Uh, there's always one. And so on this occasion, the, the, the preacher, the evangelist, gets to this point. And who's perfect in this room? And one gentleman at the back stood up. So, so the evangelist uh, looked at the back rather confused. I mean, it's really inconsiderate going off script when you ask a question. Um, so we said, I, I, are you saying you're perfect? He says, no, but I'm standing up in the place of my wife's first husband. <laughs> uh, where was I? None of us are right. 
Wisdom actually comes to the point where we say, yeah, I've done some wrong things. But this is the point of the cross. The Bible says that Jesus bore all our sins in his body on the cross. When Jesus died, there was a divine transaction taking place. God looked at the the sin of all mankind right from the very first Adam, right the way through to the end uh, of, of the world. He looked at the sin of all mankind and he took all that wrong that was on every single one of us and he placed it onto Jesus. And when Jesus died for our sin, our sin died. And because our sin died, God no longer just overlooks the wrong things that we do. He actually forgives us and he takes it away. He takes all the bad out of our lives. That's the wisdom of the cross. And then when all the bad stuff is gone, shame and guilt and condemnation actually disappears. At the cross, all our bad was taken. But more than that, all the right of Jesus was actually put onto us. This is powerful, get this. God sees you as righteous. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. He sees us as people who are right before him not because of what we do but because of the wisdom of the cross how do we know this is wisdom about being made right with God because again it just doesn't make any sense how does the cross make us right it doesn't make sense but it's proved right by what it produces you know the story after story about how the cross has taken messed up lives and made them so right. People who've been free from drug addiction and prostitution and greed and and a lifetime of negative behavior and negative thinking. And for all of us, we're made right before God because of the wisdom of the cross. But righteousness isn't the only outcome that proves the wisdom of the cross. The second thing was holiness. The cross makes us holy. What does it mean to be holy? Holiness really, uh, uh, its root, means to be separate to God. Now, human nature makes it always easier to join in with the crowd, doesn't it? Uh, And I love being in a crowd. I actually like being in a corner in a crowd. That's me. Okay, but I I do like being around people, um, I promise you. Um, And human nature makes it easier to join the crowd than to stand alone. Um, There's a misconception in our world that we we value individual expression. That's only true as long as it fits in with what the crowd want. Okay? Um, You know, you you see a pile of young people all expressing their individuality looking exactly the same. Yeah? Uh, That's no offence to these guys over there. These are amazing people. Um, But the... The crowd sets boundaries around us, expectations. Um, Step outside of those expectations and we face ridicule. But isn't that what every single wise person has done? They didn't accept the status quo and they were prepared to stand alone for wisdom that made no sense to the majority. And that's exactly what God wants us at the cross. 
we release from the limits and the boundaries of humanity. We release from the expectations of the crowd and enable to stand in a place that is so much higher, so much broader, so much wider, and so much better. Holiness. About leaving the norm in order to pursue something that is so better, so much better. Again, the Bible says, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. The cross, at the cross, God made us right and he took us out of the kingdom of darkness, the kingdom of this age, so that we might stand in that better place. I want to say to you this morning, if in our lives we are trying to fit in with the crowd, we are putting boundaries and limits on ourselves that God does not intend us to carry. He's called us out of the crowd to be free from the expectations of the world. But he's not only called us out of the crowd through the cross, he's actually called us into that higher place of heavenly living. We are seated with Christ Jesus in heavenly places. That is what the cross does for us. That is the wisdom, the effect of Jesus dying. At the cross, we're given the opportunity to step into heavenly places and live our lives according to the rule of heaven. That's a place that not many people choose to stand. There are few who find the narrow way to heaven. There may be just one or two out of a crowd who choose to be free from the containment of earth and in the heavenly places. To be there, it requires us to leave the crowd and adventure with the few. Now many would say that that makes no sense. There's safety in the crowd, there's safety in numbers. Look at what all these people believe. Surely that is the right way to, to move forward. It's best to stick with the crowd, but at the cross we see the wisdom of holiness where Jesus says, leave where you are. Come after me and I will lift you up into heavenly places where you're seated with me. Again, how, how does that make sense? How, how's that wise? Because it, it doesn't make sense. Well, again, it's the outcome that proves the wisdom. Historically, the greatest moments of humanity are where people have refused to go with the majority and actually stand with God. Free education, hospitals, the abolition of slavery, uh, programs to, to help people addicted to drugs and alcohol, uh, marriage uh, reconciliation programs, and the list goes on and on of people who said, I'm not going to stand with the crowd, I'm going to stand with my God in a place of holiness, and, and I'm going to be one who grabs hold of holiness and brings holiness to earth and sees it outworked. You know, you know, church, I, I really want to say this to us this morning. That bringing heaven to earth is not done by the church embracing the world. It's done by the church embracing holiness in such a way that it brings holiness to earth. And we've got to get that the right way around. I understand this. Our mission is not to bring earth to heaven. It's to bring heaven to earth. The wisdom of the cross says, leave the crowd. Makes no sense, but leave the crowd, embrace holiness, and actually we will live in a higher realm that's free from the limitations of this world.
the um, final outcome that proves the wisdom of the cross is redemption. Being redeemed, redemption, being redeemed actually means being brought back into everything that God has for us. Many of us understand a lot of this, I know, but let me just say again, when Jesus died, he was paying the price for all the wrong things in our lives. He was paying the price for our sin. He was taking all the punishment of God upon himself so we don't need to face that punishment for ourselves. And in doing all that, he was buying us back. He was paying the price. He was buying us back to God so that we might belong to him. The wisdom of the cross says this morning, every one of us, naturally everybody we know, our friends and our families, every one of us can belong to God. You were not bought back, you were not redeemed by corruptible things like silver and gold, but you were bought back to God through the precious blood of Jesus Christ, through the cross. This is the wisdom of God. And get this, when, when God buy, bring, buys us back, he actually brings us back into everything that he has for us. That's why Jesus says, I've come that you may have life, I love the old version, okay, and have it more abundantly. Woo. Say abundantly. Woo, okay. I still think it sounds better than life to the full, okay, but um, I have come that you may have life and you may have it to the full abundantly, okay, pressed down, shaken together and still running over. Jesus says, I've come that that might be yours. In other words, I've come that the fullness of everything that God has might come into your life. When we're redeemed, we're not just brought back into a beautiful relationship with God, which we are. We're actually brought back into the fullness of the blessing and everything that God has for us. That starts in life. Woo! Everybody breathe in. If you made that breath, you are alive. Hallelujah. <laughs> Therefore, the abundance of heaven is yours right now. I'm so pleased, though, it doesn't just end with life. We don't hear a lot about heaven. I love the concept of heaven. Uh, quick, quick plug, okay? I, I'm doing some teaching on the return of Jesus and heaven in a few weeks' time on a Tuesday morning, Friday morning. Look on the email that Andy sent, okay? And get booked into some, some morning training sessions because they're going to be great. Uh, anyway, now I, I love the concept of heaven because it doesn't just end with life, okay? This body is dying. And at the end of the day, when this body goes to the grave, my soul steps into the abundance of heaven forever and forever. You know, <laughs> I'm going off a tangent here. Forgive me if I go on. Uh, the Bible says this, that if we have hope only in this life, we are of all men most pitiable. In other words, if all we're expecting is good things from God in life, and that's brilliant, then actually we've missed the point because this life goes on and on and on forever and ever in eternity. And it's there we will actually have the fullness of everything that God has for us. No pain, no suffering, no tears, just continual joy. And you know the best bit about heaven? We're going to see Jesus face to face. <laughs> Let me get back on track. Um, so it goes on into heaven. Belonging to God redeemed. I know this doesn't make sense and actually the abundant life that Jesus gave to us 
and the fullness of God doesn't necessarily mean that life will be easy. What it means is there is an abundance in the times of trouble and the times of difficulty. I was reminded this week about Horatio Spafford. Um, Horatio lived in the 1800s. Some of you will know the story. Horatio's son died at the age of two. He was a thriving businessman in Chicago and his business was wiped out by the great fire of Chicago at the end of the 1800s. His four daughters were drowned in a shipwreck as they crossed the Atlantic and then one day he sat down and he wrote these words, When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot you have taught me to know, it is well! It is well with my soul, whatever this life throws at me. It is well with my soul because the abundance of Jesus is here deep within. Why? Because he is redeeming. This is the wisdom of the cross. It's foolishness to men, but to God, it's the power of salvation. C.S. Lewis said this, Don't let your happiness depend on something you can lose. When we know the power of the cross, we can never lose God because we belong to him. Let me finish off very quickly this morning and say this, that wisdom, the wisdom of the cross, redemption, holiness and righteousness is activated through faith. Everything in God comes through faith. Faith is this, where we say, I believe this to be true, therefore... I will act upon it. It's not just a heart belief or a head belief. It's saying, I'm going to act on what I believe to be wise. This morning, a lot of what I've said applies very clearly to people who've never received Jesus as their personal saviour. It's been very much a gospel message. The good news of Jesus. And and if that's you, I want to say to you this morning that the cross will never make any sense to your understanding and your thinking. But if we have faith, then we will step into the experience that proves its wisdom. We will step into the righteousness and the holiness and the redemption of God that he has for you. And I want to say to you this morning, if you do not know Jesus, if you've never come to faith in Christ, this can be your morning today. You can know the wisdom and the power of God in your life. And I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond this morning. But I also want to say this, that the wisdom of the cross is for a lifetime. And I know that some of us receive the wisdom of the cross and then over time, perhaps we lose the wonder, the power, the intensity of the wisdom that says, I'm redeemed, I'm separated into heavenly places and I'm made right with God. You know, maybe this morning you've begun to struggle with some wrong or some sin in your life, some addiction. The wisdom of the cross to you today is this, that I am right with God, therefore I have power over temptation. Some of us may have a lack in our lives, whether that's with our families or our finances or our relationships. I want to say to you that when we're redeemed again, the wisdom says, I'm redeemed into the fullness of what God has for me. That's an abundance.